Now, if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a short series. It's a two-part series called Seeds. And as we begin, how many of you have ever done the little project where you put some seeds in a little cup and you planted it, you put it on your windowsill, and you hope that something cool happened out of it? Anybody ever done that? Okay, most of us have experienced that in, in our lives. And you know, when I was a kid, I did that project probably several times, and I thought that was just the coolest thing. Put some seeds in the little dirt, and you water it. And you know, I was wondering why after about five minutes, there wasn't something growing there. Uh, and realized, you know, you got to wait a little bit longer, and waited. And finally, one day, some um, seeds, a sprout started coming out of that soil, and it was just neat to see there that a bean plant was, was growing or flower were growing and it was great until I forgot about it. And then that poor little seed, that poor little plant died. It was just kind of a, you know, pathetic looking thing sitting on the windowsill. And, and that was kind of the end of the, you know, life cycle there. My mom teaching you like, hey, you forget to water the plant. This is kind of stuff that happens. You got to take care of that stuff. Anybody else not real good with plants? Yeah. If you come to my house and you see a nice looking plant, either it's brand new it's fake, my wife's taking care of it, or it is determined to live in spite of me. Like, like yeah, I'm gonna live. I don't care if Trent never waters me. I'm gonna live. So I'm not all that great with plants. But God gave us plants and seeds and trees for a very specific reason. So let me remind you of that reason. Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then throughout that chapter, it explains what God created. And we get to verse 11. It says, then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. So when God says something, that's what happens. We see that all throughout Genesis chapter one. God spoke and it happened. God spoke and it happened, and I love that promise. When we see something in scripture where God speaks, we can trust and know that that thing will happen. So verse 12 says, so the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit, and these seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. So God had this amazing plan when he came about the work of creation, he decided to create this thing called renewable resources that we could use again and again, where we can cut down a tree and we can use it in, in many different purposes and we can plant another tree. We can pull up a plant and often other plants grow up in its place. At least that's what happens at my house when I pull weeds out. You know, pull one weed and 10 show up you know, after that. So God had this amazing idea of creating renewable resources resources that we could use over and over and over again, and he created them for our survival. So let's just think for a moment how different our world would be without seeds, without plants, without trees. So brainstorm out loud with me. What would be different? We would be dead, yes. <laughs> Well said, we would be dead. We would have no oxygen to breathe. Beyond that, you think we would have no food to eat. So much of the food that we eat comes from plants, comes from seeds. Much of the food that the animals eat, that if you're a meat eater, the, the, those animals are eating the, that produce, they're eating 
food that comes from seeds. And so our world would cease to exist without plants as renewable resources. We are completely dependent upon plants for our lives. And I don't know that we recognize that fully. I don't know that we fully understand how dependent we are, but if, if we could take us back to Jesus' day, I think we would see it in a whole new uh, perspective. Back in Jesus' day, agriculture was everything. Everybody interacted with agriculture from some degree or another. And so what Jesus would do is he would leverage agriculture in his teachings. He would talk about a farmer scattering seed across different types of soil. And he talked about those different types of soil being different conditions of people's hearts. He talked about fruit growing in our lives being evidence of what God is doing in us. He talked about a little mustard seed, that it's like the kingdom of heaven. And so he leveraged these common things that people interacted with on a regular basis. And so what I want to do is kind of take us back to that a little bit. And I want us to explore some lessons that Jesus taught about seeds and how that can apply to our lives. So for those of you who have green thumbs out there, what is the primary purpose of a seed? It's a primary purpose. To grow, yep. What else? Keep talking. Reproduce. So you think about it, the primary purpose of a seed is reproduction. If the seed only grows and it produces fruit that we can eat and stops there, we're in trouble. You get to enjoy that one peach, that one apple, that one whatever, and then it's over. But the primary purpose of a seed is reproduction. So here's how a seed does that process. It actually has a life cycle. So you think about the life cycle of a seed. Go back to that little experiment. So you take a seed, you put it in soil. That seed dies in the soil it actually then starts growing something new. A plant starts coming out of that seed, pops up out of the soil. That little plant grows uh, to a little bit more maturity, and then all of a sudden some flowers start growing. Out of the flowers come fruit or pods. What's inside the fruit? What's inside the pod are seeds. Those seeds then reproduce that cycle. So you take that fruit, um, you can take seeds out of that, you can take pot, the seeds out of the pods, and you can plant that again, and you can start it all over again. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to think about our lives as seeds. Okay, so Jesus referenced himself as a seed one time. I think uh, we should think of ourselves similar to him in this context. So think of yourself today as a seed. And I don't know what your favorite seed is. You could be a sunflower seed. You could be a pumpkin seed. You could be an apple seed. Uh, you could be a watermelon seed. Whatever seed you want to be today, just go ahead and be creative. Knock yourself out. Think about yourself as a seed. So what God wants from us as, as seeds is to be planted, to produce fruit, and reproduce in others what God is doing in us. So we've got to start by being planted. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says this. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So being planted starts by accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So get this, Christ is the only soil that will last forever. Christ is the only soil that we can be planted in that will last forever. 
Being planted in your career won't last forever. Being planted in your hobbies won't last forever. Being planted in your retirement won't last forever. Being planted in your exercise plan or your diet plan won't last forever. Aren't you glad about that last one? (laughs) Being planted in the soil of Christ is the only thing that will last forever. So are you planted in him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Did you have a point in your life at some time where you stopped and you said, you know what? I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Did you ask him to come into your heart and and be your Lord and be your Savior? I did did that at a very young age in my life. I was planted in Christ at the age of five. And I can't find the date on a calendar, but I can tell you about the day. So I was five years old, sitting in our kitchen in our little apartment in Michigan. And I looked over, I was sitting at the table, I looked over at my mom who was washing the dishes. And I had, my parents had had me around church, and so I'd heard this this concept called salvation and being saved. I'd heard that before, I just didn't know what it meant. And so in a moment, at five, I asked my mom, mom, what does it mean to be saved? So my mom stopped, she came over, got her Bible out, and she explained what it means to be saved. She explained that, that Jesus died so I can have eternal life. She said, listen, you can't be good enough to gain eternal life. You can't be good enough to live forever. And I had had enough reminders on the backside of my body to know that I knew I couldn't be good enough. And so she explained that Jesus died so I can live. When I put my faith and trust in what he has done, that I could have eternal life. At five, I thought that was a pretty fantastic deal. And so I put my faith in Jesus. In that moment, I prayed a little prayer. I said, Jesus, I believe you're the savior of the world. Would you come into my life and be my savior? And in that moment, a, my little seed of, of my life was planted in Christ and a little seed of faith started to grow. Now, you may hear that and say, you know what, like you were five. Like, how could you understand the complexities of, of, of giving your heart to, to Christ and what it means to fully follow him? And I would say, in return, most adults don't understand that. Most of us don't understand the full complexity of that. And Jesus said that if we're to come to him, we need to come to him with the faith of a child. As we grow older, we tend to complicate things. We tend to make things a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult to grasp, a little bit more difficult to apply to our lives. And we come up with more and more objections. And so I think that's why Jesus said, let's just boil it all down to this. I died so you can live. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And we can come to Christ with the faith of a child. And as we put our faith in him and understand what he has done for us and invite him into our hearts, a little seed of faith can start growing Little plant can start growing in our lives. And I wonder, have you made that decision? If you haven't, God wants nothing more from you than that. That you would understand what Jesus has done for you so that you can have eternal life. You could make that decision today. You could make that decision right now. You could start that conversation right now with the creator of the universe while I'm talking. You could do that throughout the service. You could do that at the end of the service. We could talk about it after the service if you have more questions about that. And if you have questions, I hope that you'll come up and ask me. I would love to help you make the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Again, he's the only soil. 
that we can be planted in where we can last forever and have eternal life in a relationship with him. Now, I'm assuming that many of you in this room have already made that decision. So my question for you is, what's the condition of your roots? What's the condition of your roots in, in your plant? So again, Colossians 2.7 told us to let your plants or let your roots grow down into him. And we understand how critical roots are for a plant. We know that if, if a plant, if a tree doesn't have a good root system, it's probably not going to survive very long. And I was reminded of how incredibly important roots are to trees as I was preparing for this message. I was reminded of a, of a story one time, actually an event where I got a tree transplanted in my backyard. So when my wife and I were moving into our home that we're in right now, we had to get some trees on our property to follow the city tree codes. And so I decided instead of going to buy a tree, I was going to transplant a tree and a friend of mine and I were going to go out to some property he had access to out in our county. And I was going to go find a great tree and just transplant it. I mean, it sounds simple enough. Like, yeah, like anybody can do that. So my friend and I, we went out onto this property and we searched around for the perfect tree. And then we came around kind of some bushes and found it. Like it was beautiful. It was big. Yeah, I mean, it was mature. Like the sun was shining through it. The birds were singing in it. The angels were hovered around it saying, please take me home to your house. And so my friend and I said like, this is it. This is the tree. Get your shovel. So we started digging. I mean, we started digging and we started digging and we kept digging and we kept digging and we didn't realize that the roots went to China it took all day for us to get that root ball out. And when we got the root ball out and set it on its side, it was taller than I am. And the two of us are going, we should not be here trying to load this in the back of your truck and on this trailer, but we did anyway. And I've got a few uh, disc issues in my back to remind me of that. So we got this tree on this trailer. We got it to my house. We put it in the ground. We watered it. I watered it a you know, whole lot for weeks and weeks and weeks and uh, hoping it would, it would take off again. And so I learned some very valuable lessons about transplanting trees from that experience. So the first thing I learned is never try to transplant a full-grown tree with just two guys. That's just not smart. It's really not smart. If you got a lot of money and you can hire all the right people and all the right equipment, go for it. But if it's just you and another person, don't do it. Next thing I learned is that trees that have deep roots are hard to move. We dug and dug and dug and dug and dug to move that tree. And we, when we thought it was, you know, we had dug enough and we're shaking it. Nope, we got to keep going. We got to keep moving on this thing in order to get this tree out. And the application for us is as our roots grow deeper and deeper in Christ, we aren't easily moved. When the storms of life come, when issues come and blow against you, when things get really challenging and really tough, we're not easily shaken. We're not easily moved because we are grounded. Our roots are grounded in Christ. Another thing that I learned that day is that when mature trees have their roots taken out of the ground, they often struggle when they're transplanted. Now, I'm not a tree expert, and I'm sure I didn't or transplant that tree the right way. I'm sure there are better ways to do it. And if you got enough money, you got enough time that you can do that. But that tree that we put in my backyard is still there. It's not the same tree. 
If you'd look at that tree now, you'd go, ooh, that's an interesting tree that you planted in your backyard. It's kind of like a Charlie Brown tree. Uh, it's really kind of sad. If you look at another tree that I have that's grown in our backyard, it's the same kind of tree that kind of grew from a seedling. It's beautiful. It's, it's big. It's, it's like that tree and it's, it's, uh, as it originally was. And when I started thinking about that and its application for us, the reality is there are many Christ followers who once had their roots deeply grounded in Christ and for whatever reason, life got hard, something happened, doubt crept in, and they started to pull their roots out of their relationship with Christ. When we do that, it's hard for us to recover some of that. Like sometimes it's hard for us to regain the faith that we once had. It's hard for us to have the compassion for other people that we once had. That's why it's so incredibly important for us to grow our roots deep in Christ and to keep them deep in Christ so that we can remain strong and immovable in our relationship with him. So what's the condition of your roots? So we're supposed to grow our roots deep in the soil of Christ. So how do we do that? And I think there's two primary ways that we can do that. One is through Bible knowledge, and two is through Bible application. So Bible knowledge and Bible application. Now, there is a whole lot of debate going on in our world about this book. There's a whole lot of people that say, you know, this is an outdated book with outdated ideas, not applicable to us anymore. There's some people say, you know what, it's, it's still kind of a good book. It's got some nice little stories in there. If you want to, you know, paint some pictures on your kids' walls, you know, based upon some of these stories, that's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, if you actually look at that story you're painting on the wall, it's kind of a scary story to paint on the wall for your, you know, newborn child. Um, there, there's people that just don't put a lot of stock in this book and its application for our lives. But I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said. So the Apostle Paul was somebody who hated Christianity hated it. If you've ever not been fond of a Christ follower, if you've ever not been fond of Christianity, maybe you would associate with Paul in that moment of his life. So listen to what the apostle Paul said. I mean, he was transformed by Jesus. Listen to what he says about the Bible. He says in 2 Timothy 3.16, says, all scripture is inspired by God. How much of scripture is inspired by God? All of it. So we go from Genesis to Revelation. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So it's through this book that we grow to be the people that God wants us to be by reading it, by learning it, by applying it to our lives. This actually is a source of absolute truth. There's a whole lot of debate about whether absolute truth exists today. And I'm here to tell you, it does. It's found in this book. If we don't have a source of absolute truth, we are left to our opinions. And our opinions will always fail us. Always. We need a source of absolute truth, and God's provided us one, and through this, we can grow. So we have to become lifelong students of God's written word, but we can't stop there. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22, and we looked at this a few weeks ago. It says this, don't just listen to God's word. You must, what's that next word? Do. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect log that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we shouldn't just learn Bible knowledge. That can be dangerous. That's something that Jesus actually confronted the religious leaders of his day about. They had learned a whole lot about the Bible. They just weren't living it. So he was very hard on them. So we have to be careful about just learning scripture. We have to apply it to our lives. That's where it becomes transformational for us. That's where it helps us to grow and produce the fruit that we should be producing in our lives. Now, in a room this size, I know there's people from uh, all different kind of backgrounds and experiences with the Bible. There's some people who have no experience with the Bible. Some people maybe have never read the Bible before in your life. There's some of you who've been reading the Bible for a lot longer than I've been alive. So if you're new to the Bible, you're just curious about it, like how could you start? I've got some recommendations for you. So number one, I would recommend that you pick up a copy of our Spiritual Growth Challenge. So before you leave today, at our Connection Center, there's a one-page document we call our Spiritual Growth Challenge. It's got some questions that, that you can ask yourself and dive a little bit deeper in what we're talking about here on Sundays. It's got a Bible reading plan. So you can just spend some time reading in the Bible what we've talked about here on Sunday, and you'd be amazed at how much you can learn in a relatively short amount of time if you just make a regular commitment to reading the Bible. Another thing that you can do is you can join our 40 days in the Bible small group experience. I actually have one going on right now. It might be a little too late to, to join that group, but we'll be teaching it again. And as that comes up, be listening for that and then sign up, be a part of that experience. There's many ways that you can learn how to read the Bible. If you're interested in reading a book of the Bible and kind of seeing a, a big story that happens throughout scripture, you could read the book of John. It's in the New Testament part of the Bible. If you read the book of John, you will see God's love in action for you. Just read a little bit every day and then try to apply what you're reading. It's a great way to get started in reading the Bible. Now, for a lot of you, you you aren't new to the Bible. You're familiar with it. You've read it maybe for years. And so my question for you is, how is your time in the Bible? Here's what I've found for myself and and many Christ followers is we can spend a lot of time in the Bible that we get so familiar with it, we think we don't need it as much anymore. We're just not reading it a whole lot. And guess what happens when when that happens? We start to kind of pull our roots out and it, it kind of forces us into having shallow roots. So when the storms of life come, we're shaken. Why? because our roots aren't growing deep and we're not keeping them deep. So it's kind of like thinking that we can water a plant one time and it should be good the rest of its life, right? We can't do that with the Bible. We've got to spend regular time in it and allow it to grow us to be the people that God wants us to be. So if you aren't new to the Bible, how is your time in the Bible? Now the Bible says that the more we spend in the Bible, the more we apply the Bible to our lives, this stuff called fruit starts showing up in our lives. It's in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. Again, we looked at this a few weeks ago. Fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
So do you have that kind of stuff growing in your life? Do people see that? Are you more loving every day? Are you more joyful today than you were a year ago? Are you more patient? Are you kind to people? Are you loving to people? That stuff should be evident in us if we're growing to be the the plants that God wants us to be. And if you're not sure how you're doing, ask somebody that you know will tell you the truth. Don't ask somebody that's gonna tell you the answer that you wanna hear. Ask somebody that you know is gonna tell you the truth and really listen to what they have to say. Those of us who are committed Christ followers should have that kind of fruit evident in our lives on a regular basis. Then finally, Just as God designed plants to reproduce themselves, God wants us to reproduce in other people what God is doing in us. So listen to what Jesus said before leaving planet Earth. Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always even to the end of the age. So Jesus said, now go and make disciples. So how do we make disciples? It's an open-ended question for you to answer. How do we make disciples? Fellowship, so time together. Living our life for Christ. Somebody in the back? Spreading the word. Great answers. Being the example. Absolutely. So you got it. So we've got to live like Christ. If we want to help somebody else become a follower of Jesus, we have to model that for them. One of the greatest attractors to the Christian faith is a Christ follower who lives like Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine that. One of the greatest detractors to the Christian faith is Christ followers who don't live like Jesus. And I think we probably all know somebody who says, I don't really want to follow your God if you know, you're really not going to be applying the truth that he offers you. Like apparently it's not working for you. It doesn't mean we got to be perfect. It just means we have to learn to apply what we are being taught by Christ. So we've got to live that in front of other people. The next part is we actually have to open our mouths and tell people about Jesus. One of the things I've found for a lot of Christ followers is when it comes to evangelism, telling other people about Jesus, we say, I'll just live a great life. And hopefully they'll come to church one day and my pastor will tell them about Jesus. Well, that's not enough. Like your friend may never come to church. Your friend may never interact with a pastor who tells them that. So Jesus told us, go and make disciples. That means open our mouths and tell people about what God has done for them. So listen to what the apostle Paul said about that in Acts 20, 24. He said this, he said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of, what's those two next words? The work of telling others. So opening my mouth. I got to tell others about the good news, about the wonderful grace of God. Now think about how our world thinks about God. Does our world think that God's a God of grace? Most likely no. Most likely no. They think he's an angry God. He's not. He's a God of grace. That's why Jesus came to die so we can live. And people need to hear that. They need to hear that explained from our mouths. If you're a Christ follower, you have a story. You have a God story that God wants you to share. So are you sharing it? Are you telling other people at home, at work, at school, wherever you are, are you telling them? You're looking for opportunities to open your mouth. They explain the hope that you have inside 
because of your personal relationship with Jesus. So how are we doing it? Living our faith. How are we doing it? Sharing our faith verbally. I want you to imagine what could happen if we did that. Imagine what could happen if we saw ourselves as renewable resources that God could use. If we planted ourselves as seeds of faith in our community and just let God do what only God can do in our lives as we're obedient to him. I think God would do some amazing things. I think thousands of people in Flagler County would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and change their eternal vacation plans. Wouldn't that be amazing? I think that we could be used by God, us and other churches in our community to help meet the real needs of people in our community. You know what? If you meet somebody's physical need, they're more open to us meeting their spiritual needs. It's one of the reasons that we do 3G Saturday and 3G Sunday. We want to go and serve. We want our community to know that God is for you and so are we. So many churches are known for what they stand against instead of what they stand for. And I think the big message of the Bible is that God is for the world. That's why Jesus came. So we gotta go out and share that. I think God would do some amazing things in our community if we will all plan our lives together. So we have to keep investing and keep inviting, keep investing in other people, inviting them to come to be a part of our church family and what's happening here. We gotta keep serving. We need more volunteers to serve the many people that are coming. We need more staff members. We need land so we can build a building. I'm so grateful for the location that we're in right now, but I know one day we may not be able to be here. So we need land so we can build a building. Anybody excited about us being in our own spot one day? So that is coming. And uh, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, and we'll keep you informed uh, about that as it continues to, to get to the spot where we can share that. But keep praying with us and for us as we walk through that process. So here's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to plant your seed of faith in what God is doing in our church and in our community. So I'm asking you, if you're a Christ follower, I'm asking you to plant what God has done in you, what God is doing in you through our church family and find a place to serve. Get active in serving here. There are so many ways that you could get active in serving in our church family and in our community. We have people serving at Habitat for Humanity on a regular basis. We have people serving at Alpha Women's Center on a regular basis. We have people serving at Grace Community Food Pantry. We have people serving in our children's ministry, our student ministry, our setup team. We have people serving regularly everywhere, and we need more of you. We've got opportunities for everybody to find a place to give back from what God has given you. And I ask you, to find a place to get active in serving. Another thing I ask, if you're a part of, of our church family, if you call this your church home, if you're a committed Christ follower, I'd ask you to invest your financial resources here. So listen to this. God's one and only plan to reach the world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ is to use local churches filled with local believers that carry that message to their community. And God's plan for financing that mission is to use a local body of believers who invest their resources back into that local church. It's a principle called tithing. It's where we give 10% of our income back to God through a local church. It's, it's a principle found all throughout scriptures. It's found all throughout the Old Testament part of the Bible, the New Testament part of the Bible, where we set aside our first fruits. Remember that fruit came from a seed. God says, when that seed comes to full life and it 
then reproduces all kinds of fruit. I want you to set aside a portion of that. Give that back to me in recognition that I am God and I gave that all to you so that I can continue to fulfill the mission that I have in the world. So if you're a follower of Christ, that's something I think that God wants us to do. And there's many of you that are doing that right now. Um, My wife and I have been doing that for over the past 20 years. And here's the deal. I would never ask you to do something that I wasn't regularly doing. And so I ask you to consider tithing. And here's a challenge for you. So if, if you're not tithing yet, my challenge is this. I encourage you to take our 90-day tithe challenge. So for 90 days, for three months, just tithe. Give 10% of your income back to God through a local church. And if you find that life isn't sustainable, if you find that God isn't working in your life supernaturally in that time frame to meet your needs, and God isn't doing something just what only God can do, then we will give you your money back. After 30 days, we'll give you your money back. No questions, no hard feelings, none of that. We'll give you your money back. Now, you need to let us know you're a new tither. And let me just tell you, this is not like a Christmas saving plan. You know, like, (laughs) hey, that's a good way to save a little bit of money towards Christmas. Like, that's not what this is about. This is about new folks experiencing what God can do when we set aside the first fruits and give back to him. Now, let me be clear about something else. If you question my motives this morning, if you think that's just another bald pastor asking for money, (laughs) give somewhere else. Don't give here. I mean that. If you question what what I'm challenging you with, give somewhere else. If you're a serious student of scripture, I don't think any of us can ever read scripture and come to the conclusion that God doesn't want us to be generous. God wants us to be extremely generous. And he wants us to start that generosity through tithing. And I just invite you to uh, experience that with us. Now, on your way out today, somebody's gonna hand you a small bag, and it's got a little seed in it. It's got a mustard seed in it. And you'll notice how small that little mustard seed is. Listen to what Jesus said about mustard seeds. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. And then in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, I don't know if you can see that little seed from out there. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So your life is a seed. Our lives together are seeds that God wants us to be planted in him, to grow in him, to reproduce in him. So what I hope that you'll do is you'll take this little bag and you will put it somewhere over the next two weeks where it'll remind you of the question on the outside of the bag. The question says this, what am I planting the seed of my life in that will last forever? What am I planting the seed of my life in that will last forever? Your life is a seed. God wants you planted in him, growing in him, 
and reproducing in him. If you would, stand with me. I'm going to close this out in prayer, and then our worship team is going to close us today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for how incredibly valuable seeds and plants and trees are in our lives. Lord, we take that for granted so often. We just forget that like, we couldn't even breathe without plants. There'd be so much that we, we couldn't eat without plants. Our world would cease to exist without plants. And Jesus, you remind us in scripture that our lives are seeds. You want those seeds planted in you. You want our roots growing deep. You, you want us to produce fruit. You want us to reproduce in other people what you are doing in us. So this morning, Lord, I, I understand that there just might be somebody who's not been planted in you. They've not put their faith and trust in you yet. So Lord, I pray this morning, even now, that they would open the doors of their heart and invite you in to be their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I also understand that some of us have shallow roots. Some of us haven't purposely grown our roots deep in you. Like, we've gone to church, we've served, we've read the Bible here and there, we pray. But we haven't been serious about growing our relationship with you. So Lord, I pray for those that are possibly in that spot that they would choose to grow their roots deep. And Lord, for those who may have felt a little transplanted in their lives, that maybe their roots were secure at one point and they, whatever happened, they kind of pulled their roots out. Lord, I pray that they would be serious as well about growing their roots deeply in you. Lord, thank you for the reminder that being planted in you and growing in you is the only thing that will last forever. Investing our lives in other people is the only thing that will last forever. So Lord, we give you the seeds of our lives. We plant them in you. We ask that you would water them. We ask that you would give the sunshine that they need. We ask that you would grow them to be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen.